Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Equipped to Be Show with Connie Albers. Equipped to Be is a podcast dedicated to helping you discover and develop your unique strengths, gifts, and talents so you can apply them to all areas of life. So let's get ready to dive into how you are equipped to be. What are you good at? I mean, if we're sitting across the table and I, I look at you and, and I ask you that question, what are, you, what are you good at? What do you do exceptionally well? What can you spend your time doing? And before you know it, time has just slipped away. It could be making crafts or cooking, reading. You know, it could be solving problems or writing in a journal. Well, all of us have unique gifts, strengths, and talents, and we use them every day. And sometimes we don't even realize what it is that we're doing. And sometimes we also don't realize when we're trying to avoid certain things because maybe that doesn't fit in our natural wheelhouse. We, they're what we call our weaknesses or our limitations. That's what we're going to be talking about on this episode of Equipped to Be. Let's Let's kind of explore this and unpack this because what I have found in life is the better that we know who we are and how we are made, <laughs> the, the better our relationships are with others. The more patience we have and, you know, don't we all need extra patience with people, our children, our spouse? You know, the more we understand ourselves, the more grace we're able to give ourselves. And that's, a, that's something we all need, don't you think? In my book, Parenting Beyond the Rules, I break down like understanding and knowing yourself. God has made you in a certain way, and he didn't withhold certain gifts from you as a joke and, and give somebody else all, you know, give the, child, give the person with all math skills and, you know, you, you were <laughs> just missed out. No. When we step back and we start to believe that God is the architect, you are a masterpiece. Your children are a masterpiece. And I talk about that in my book. You are a masterpiece, uniquely created and designed. You're a one of a kind and original. So are your children. So is your spouse. And when we step back and we start to realize, I'm going to be using different colors or brush strokes when we think about a painting. Some will be little details we have to add here or there. Some will be broad strokes with bold colors. Sometimes we'll have to use the colors of grace and forgiveness with ourselves and with those that we dearly love. So let's break this down a little bit. I love using assessments, uh, whether it's the Myers-Briggs or it's Clifton Strengths, which is, used to be called Strength Finders. Or we're doing the Enneagram, or we're doing the five love languages. All those assessments are a peek into how you are wired, how you think, how you naturally gravitate towards certain activities, or how you, why you react negatively when you're called to do something that's just really out of your comfort zone. Let's talk about the first one, 
The Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. It was one of the very first assessments I read when I was getting ready to get married. I, my husband and I are complete opposites. Now, some of you can relate, and I would, I would probably say many of you can relate because it's typically we're drawn, we're attracted to you know personality types that are different from ours. It's not normal to be exactly like the person you're married to. Because we have gaps and we usually marry somebody who fills in the gaps in, in our areas or what I would call our weaknesses. In the five love languages, I was specifically drawn to the fact that the way Dr. Chapman described how we give love to others oftentimes is how we like receiving love. And we give love oftentimes to get love. And that's not a manipulation thing. I don't, I'm not talking about you do nice things for other people so they turn around and do nice things for you. That's not what he's talking about. That's not what I'm talking about either. But Gary Chapman has several books called The Five Love Languages. He's got a book for children, The Love Languages of Children. He's got The Five Love Languages of Teenagers because that's let's face it, we do often need help understanding teenagers, which is why I wrote a whole book about parenting teenagers. He also has books for the workplace called uh, Appreciation in the Workplace. Uh, it's, it's basically the five love languages and how do you apply them with colleagues. Again, how we speak to others, the things that we do for others is often an indicator of how we would like to be spoken to or treated uh, in, in various situations. What I like about Gary Chapman's book is he breaks love languages into five love languages. And let me just tell you the five. Words of affirmation, physical touch, quality time, acts of service, gifts. Now, those five love languages speak volumes to the person whose primary way of receiving love and appreciation is, is treated or spoken to. So let's break these down just, just briefly. Words of affirmation are not just words that we speak to um, peripheral things like, oh, you look pretty. That's not really affirming them. It's nice to tell somebody they look pretty or they look handsome or their hair looks nice or the shoes are cute. That's, that's fine. But that's not words of affirmation. Words of affirmation are core qualities about this person. I noticed how you were so kind to your brother when he wasn't very kind to you. I noticed that you were really patient with mom when she was having a bad day. You just kind of came in and you gave her a hug. You didn't say anything. You just gave her a hug to show her that you loved her. That was very kind of you. I noticed when the other kids were talking bad about somebody, you didn't participate. Words of affirmation affirm somebody at the core of who they are, their character qualities, their virtues. We can also affirm others for going out of their way for doing little things, not extraordinary things, but just little things like setting the dinner table, which leads me to the second one, which is acts of service. Acts of service are the kind things that we do 
just to show somebody we love them. Like, for instance, your your child sets the table without being asked, or your husband comes in and starts dinner or cleans the kitchen, or he goes out and he does some, you know, yard work that you really want to do, maybe plant some flowers. Or it's you taking the time to sit with a child and help them sort their their toys and get it get their room organized because they're really struggling. They're overwhelmed. You know, there's toys strewn all over the bedroom and you're just trying to help them get, get things back in order and you come alongside them. So I'll repeat as we go along, words of affirmation are words that we speak into the core. They're really life-giving words to a person that hears them. Acts of service are little things that we do that communicate our love. Washing a car for someone, doing the laundry, sorting the laundry, reading a book to a younger sibling. Maybe it's your husband putting the kids to bed when you're just worn out. And if you could just get 10 minutes, just 10 minutes of mind-numbing nothingness. That's what acts of service represents in the five love languages. The other is physical touch. Physical touch is just that, you know, that person who can see you're maybe having a hard day or you see another person having a hard day and you just walk up and you tap, you, know, you just kind of pat them on the shoulder or you maybe your spouse, you, you take his hand uh, or perhaps you just walk up and, and you give them a hug because you could see that would just fill their bucket. You know, they, they just could use that, that physical touch, that physical connection. Now, obviously, Uh, in his book, especially in the teenage years, you you certainly want to be careful because not all physical touch is appropriate or wanted. Some of your children, they don't want a hug. They, they, that kind of invades their space and it puts a wall or a distance between them. So physical touch is an act is, is something that we do that shows love to another person. We want to make sure that it is also received in a way in which it's given. So you have to be very careful in that, especially today's culture. We want to be very careful with uh, physical touch. We want to make sure that it's appropriate and that it's timely and that it's well-received. The fourth is quality time. Quality time is when you are just around that person. Maybe you're Like in my case, here's a great example. My husband's love language is, that's his primary love language, is quality time. He doesn't necessarily want me around chatting. (laughs) And you guys know me. If I'm around, I want to have a conversation. It's a great time to have a conversation and, you know, dream up a new idea or solve a new problem. Well, that does not fill up the bucket of somebody who has quality time as a primary love language. Quality time is, they want you just to be near them. Maybe they're working on the car or they're washing the car. Maybe they're doing yard work. Uh, Maybe they're working on the bills or cooking dinner. Perhaps they're doing laundry. And all you do is you just come alongside them. For my husband, he just likes for me to sometimes just sit next to him and be present. Now, that can be a hard one, especially if you like to talk or you have a hard time sitting still yourself. Let's just say you have, you know, attention deficit or you, you just, you know, you have a hard time just sitting there for you. That can be a struggle. But for my husband, if I just come in wherever he is, whether it's his office, 
or maybe he's watching something on television, or he's you know, reading a book. If I just sit, that makes him feel loved. It's the strangest thing. My, that's not my primary love language. I love quality time, but mine is usually mixed in with you know conversation. So we've talked words of affirmation, which is core, breathing life into the soul of who somebody is, their character, their virtues. Then we talked about acts of service. Are the, are the kind gestures that people make to, to show you love and appreciation, cleaning up after, um, you know, cleaning up a mess or, or doing something because they know that it would be a blessing to you, physical touch, just kind of tapping somebody in the arm or giving them a shoulder massage if, you know, like if your daughter, like in my case, sometimes my daughter just needed a shoulder rub because she would get so tense and that's where she handled her stress. Physical touch also we need to be careful with. So I'm always going to say that because um, there are a lot of people that, and even some of your children, they, you giving them a hug or you giving them a shoulder massage or even patting them on the arm, that that they don't like that. That's not how they receive love. So we want to be careful how we, how we, um, how we express that. doesn't mean we don't ever give hugs because that's not what I'm saying. And that's not what Gary Chapman is saying. There's an appropriateness. Time and place is always very important. Quality time is just being present, just sharing the same space without any like expectations or daydreaming or goal setting or, negative, you know, talking about what problems you're having with what child or, you know, that the bathroom sink is leaking. No, no, no. Just, just being present with that person. And the last one is gifts. Gifts is that person who, you know, they don't need expensive gifts. They just, they love the fact that if you're out and about and you see something, you give them a special gift that means something to them. I was recently having a conversation with someone And I love the example that he shared with me. And I have to tell you, it was perfect. There was a person that he actually worked with. And the person was more of an introverted type, didn't really talk a lot. But in his office space, he had different um, sports memorabilia for a team he was particularly, you know, fond of and a specific player that he absolutely loved. And so those were kind of like sprinkled around his office and it became. It was a Christmas time, and this um, this particular company did what they call Secret Santa, and it couldn't be like gift cards to a, a restaurant or like a twenty five dollar Amazon card. It had to be meaningful. Now, those can be challenging, and I, I get that. It's it's sometimes challenging to do it even with our our dearest friends. But <laughs> imagine doing it with someone you barely know. But what they did, I found quite thoughtful and rather brilliant. This person asked some of the colleagues, and in your case, you could ask some of your friends, you could ask your husband, like I have some like sisters-in-laws and stuff, and I would used to ask him, you know, what, what do your sisters like to do early into our marriage? What do they like to do? You know, who, who do they, you know, pay attention to in trying to gather information? So what this person did is talk to the colleagues, and this colleague says, oh, loves this sports team, loves this sports player, has it sprinkled out throughout his office, and I think something along those lines would just speak volumes to him. So what did this person do? Ordered something relatively inexpensive, 
that was on that team and that's, you know, that specific player. And at the revealing of the secret Santa, this guy opened his present. Now, I don't know these people. It's just a story that I was told. But this guy opened his present and his face lit up because most people think, oh, no, another secret Santa, another dumb gift that we're going to, you know, have to figure out how we're going to re-gift it. Yes, I know a lot of people do that or donate it or how can I possibly use it? His face lit up. The entire office just was in, you know, because they did it with everyone. His entire office, you could see the joy on his face. And all he wanted to know is, who was my secret Santa? When he found out, he, he asked this person, he goes, how did you know? I love this team. I love this player. So someone who has the primary love language of gifts, it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be extravagant. It just has to be meaningful. And meaningful could be, in my case, my daughter loved when I came home from homeschool conventions. And I would pick up craft supplies. Now, y'all have read my book, probably. And if you haven't, you know I talk a lot about strengths and and strength finders as a master coach. I'm always wanting to know how people uh, think, feel, react, how they receive love, how they give love, how they how they process. You know, are they a judge or feeler? And we'll talk about strength finders. But I found that extremely profound because. It reminded me of my daughter. When I would come home from a homeschool convention, my son wanted to know what books he was going to get, which made sense for his personality type. My daughter wanted the bag of pencils and sketch pads and chalk, anything that was art or craft related. It made her just feel so loved because the gift fell into the place of her heart that let her know I love her and that this was a meaningful gift. Throughout, he does a beautiful job of giving you illustrations and examples of how you can show somebody that you love them in each of the five different love languages. You will usually have a primary or a dominant love language and a secondary. What I love that he describes is how the way you do things for people, like I, I love acts of service and I will always try to like help my children here or do something nice for my husband or I would help my mom and I would always be thinking about how I could bless somebody by doing something for them. I loved doing for other people. Well, my primary love language isn't acts of service. That's my secondary, but that's not my, that's not my primary. Well, Oftentimes, if you're not careful, people will turn around and do for you what you do for them. And that's why I like his book, because he, he does a great job of explaining how the way you give love is not how you're necessarily going to receive it. The other beautiful thing I love about understanding love languages is it helps you be able to speak love into another person's heart because you know how they're going to receive love. So you don't waste money buying gifts. You don't waste time going and doing somebody's laundry or, you know, doing somebody's, you know, chores around the house or, you know, washing somebody's car or something like that. Uh, you don't necessarily go in and try to sit with, with somebody like, you know, I have kids that aren't their primary love language isn't quality time. So I didn't have to try to go sit with them to show them love. I would do other things with them. Some of them like love just to be held, you know, when they, when they needed affirmation and they needed, uh, assurance and security and comfort. 
And then words of affirmation. You don't have to be quite as intentional, although we all need to be affirmed. It's a different. It re- it's received differently giving somebody words of affirmation to a quality time person or a gifts person as it is somebody who truly needs words of affirmation because words of affirmation are life-giving to that human. That's just so, so important. So five love languages is a tool. It's an assessment. It's just a peek into how we can show love and concern and compassion to other people so that we can build a closer relationship. Another assessment that I love to use, and I write about this in the book, is Strength Finders. Well, it used to be called Strength Finders. Now it's Clifton Strengths. What I love about that is, again, another peak. It's a tool. You get 34 different uh, traits. And then when you take the assessment, you're given your top traits. Now, I really recommend, as a master coach, I recommend that you go ahead and get your results and the full 34 themes. It's going to show you what your top, you know, 10, 12 strengths are. It's going to show you what your bottom. I mean, it's actually going to show you all 32. But it's going to show in the and it's going to show you your lower weaknesses and your upper, which are your strengths. Why does that matter? This was a game changer in my family. And here's why. I have some children who love researching. They love, they're learners, they're developers, they're ideation, they, they, they live in the world of ideas and possibilities. They're positive. Some of my children have harmony. They really don't like conflict. Some of my children are incredibly strategic. When you're talking to them, they're automatically solving a problem. And they have Maximizer as a backup. And Maximizer is, and I know this sounds kind of you know foreign to you, but there are 34 themes and they all represent... Um, the way we act and how we process uh, the world around us. Here's the deal. And this is why in Equip to Be, I talk about discovering and developing your strengths, gifts, and talents. If you don't know who you are, how are you going to develop them? What you end up doing is spending a lot of time wondering and wondering, what am I going to do and how am I supposed to do it? Well, this assessment with strengths uh, with Clifton Strengths helps you to understand that I have these strengths, and if I develop them, and I polish them, and I perfect them, then I will perform at an exceedingly high level. It also helps you realize that I have weaknesses. Weaknesses aren't a bad thing because God's word says, "In my weakness, God's strength is made known." We don't live our life out of our weakness. We live our life out of strengths, but God often calls us to do things from a place of weakness because his strength will be made known in us. For instance, if you are not somebody who is extremely gifted in mathematics, you know, numbers aren't your thing. You know enough to go to the grocery store and figure out how much a bunch of bananas cost if they're 49 cents a pound. You know enough to balance your budget. You know enough that You know how to, you know, if I get paid X amount, then my taxes are going to be this amount and I'm going to, you know, this amount is going to be my take-home check. Those are, those are your math skills, right? But you don't necessarily love sitting around crunching numbers and solving equations. When you see algebra and, you know, it says where's X and Y, you don't circle X and say, there it is. You actually understand the mathematical, you know, concepts. Well, I have a, I have a child who is extremely gifted in mathematics Well, when you can identify that, 
you can start pointing people in a path that they will probably excel as a vocation. If you don't have that, you're probably not going to excel in that vocation. Here's what I mean. If you don't have the gift of mathematics and logic and reasoning, you're probably not going to be majoring in finance or accounting. Now, I, okay, you'll email me, I know you'll probably email me and say, well, my child did that or I did that. I, that is the exception. But the rule is you typically aren't going to dive into a vocation in an area that you lack competency in. Does that make sense? That a true, a true strength. You're not going to be drawn to the field of accounting or finance. You might not even be drawn to, you know, business accounting. If you are gifted in the area of communication and writing, then you're going to be looking at vocations that probably deal with language and aren't going to be as focused on the mathematical side. If you are gifted in the areas of mathematics, you're going to be geared toward vocations that deal with money and numbers and entrepreneurship and things like that. Is one better than the other? Absolutely not. Same with somebody who has this propensity for names and dates and they're really fascinated by history or science or maybe arts. They just, they love studying previous artists or their creatives or same for music. See, being given unique gifts, strengths, and talents doesn't mean that your weaknesses is a lacking that you need to spend all your time and energy trying to improve upon, which happens. I mean, it happens all the time. Think about the time where you came home and you had maybe five A's and a B. And the first thing your parents said is, why'd you get a B? Oh my goodness. I've heard that so many times. And instead of celebrating the A's, because those were your areas of strength, You focus on the area of weakness. Well, I can see you are struggling in geometry or you're having a hard time in calculus or maybe you had a hard time in algebra or, you know, those differential equations that you're taking in engineering. Well, you know what? We're just going to spend all of our time, and I've had parents do that. All of their time is now focused on helping their child strengthen their weakness. Can I just invite you to consider something here? I mean, I really want to invite you to consider this. You want to know what your weaknesses are. You want to help your children understand their weaknesses so that they can learn to manage them. Not that they're going to spend all day long trying to master a weakness. That's not typically going to happen. You will excel in your strengths. The reason I like Strengths Finders or Clifton Strengths, and I say them back and forth because so many people still identify it as Strength Finders, is it's quantifiable data. It's it's research driven. It's the mindset that you have this unique bend and hardwiring that you are going to do something and you're going to consistently, that's the key, you're going to consistently excel in a strength. And in a weakness, that's God's opportunity for his strength to be made known in you. And when people say, how did you do that? I'm like, honestly, the Lord helped me do it. And I can give you lots of examples in my life. God often calls us to do hard things that we don't think we can do. Some of them are in our area of strengths. And sometimes we don't use those strengths that we have because we're afraid. We're afraid of failure or we're afraid that we don't really know what to do with it because it's just not developed. 
They haven't been polished and honed to an excellent level. Well, in our weaknesses, we can beat ourselves up as well and say, oh, I can never, I will never. No, we don't, we want to avoid those words always and never. But in our weaknesses, we want to remember that God will often call us to do hard things in our areas that is not comfortable because he does want to make his, his strength known in us. And that's a beautiful thing. So we talked about love languages, the five love languages, which are words of affirmation, act of service, physical touch, quality time, and gifts. We talked briefly about what those look like and that I explained there's different books that you could get. One, if you have younger children, if you have teenagers, and for just in general, the five love languages. And then if you are in a work environment, then you may want to get affirmation in the workplace. That's a really important thing because you want to know how to give and and praise and value and appreciation to the people that you work with and the people that you you deal with on a daily basis, right? Then we talked about the Clifton Strengths. I gave you a little overview. There's also another a sm- uh, a, an easier level of I would say easier, but it's a more tailored level of Strengths Quest or Strengths Quest Clifton Strengths, and that is Strengths Explore. If you have 10 to 14-year-olds, I really recommend that. It kind of breaks the complexity of Strength Finder or Clifton Strengths. It breaks it down into smaller buckets that are more easily understood. And it's great for you because then you start to see certain characteristics and bends in your children, like the, the, the chatty child who, like me, was always asking why, and I and I had a million questions for everything. I, I am a learner. I love learning. So I always wanted to know why. Well, that can be irritating to people, especially teachers when they're trying to teach like a classroom of 30 students. It can be really irritating. But when we step back and we realize the motivation behind that is for growth and development and to become the person that we are made to be, then that changes are the nature of how we relate with one another. We have more patience. We're, we're more forgiving. We're more grace-filled. You know what else? When our family understands those, they do the same thing with us because you and I have strengths and weaknesses. And they're not often, rarely, going to be just like your children or your spouse. So we don't avoid hard things and say, oh, that's just not my strength. No, we don't do that. We tackle them with the help of the Lord. We ask him to either bring people to us that have those strengths because God uses other people to fill the gaps of our life. There are areas in my life that I I really struggle and wrestle with. And you know, I often, I I know this about myself and it doesn't shatter my self-esteem because, oh my goodness, I don't know everything and I'm not perfect at everything. Oh my, I must be a failure. No, I realize these are the areas that I am, I have limitations, that I have weaknesses in. And I often look for people that, that have proficiency in those areas that I am weak and they become great parts of my team. My team that gets all the things I have to get done, done, because I can't do it all. I couldn't do it all when I was homeschooling all five of my children. I didn't know calculus. That didn't mean I couldn't do calculus or have my child who needed calculus for engineering. Didn't mean that he didn't, 
he didn't need it. He absolutely needed. It was my responsibility to find somebody to fill the gap where I was weak. Do you see how that works? It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We don't want to resist it. Here's the other thing we don't want to do. We don't want to get it puffed up with pride in our strengths. We don't want to be like a bull in a china shop. And let me just say, for those of you that don't know what that means, it just means kind of like coming in and announcing to everybody how good you are or how strong you are in this particular area and just move over everybody. I'm here and I'm going to take over. That's not what it means. Every strength and every weakness can be a stumbling block if it is not properly understood and applied. If we don't temper our strengths, we can become arrogant. We can become cocky. We can become not humble and definitely full of pride. And if we don't properly understand our weaknesses, we can become discouraged. We can feel poorly about ourselves. We can develop a poor self-esteem. We can develop anxiety or insecurities. So that is why I said when I started this, assessments are tools. They're not the gospel. They're a peek into the personality and the hardwiring that God has made you, your child, your spouse, your friends, every human being. The other assessment I, I want to just touch on, and that's the Myers-Briggs. Well, actually, there's two more. The Myers-Briggs. I like that assessment because it helps you identify your introvert extroverts. And it doesn't, you know, and I'm just going to tell you right now, if, if you think an extrovert is somebody who just likes to talk and an introvert who just wants to hide away in the corner and read a book, that, that's not really an accurate picture. An introvert can be an extrovert when they have to be for their job or they have to be for whatever they're asked to do, whatever God has assigned them to do, they can be an extrovert. But what that means is that introvert, when they're finished with that project or dealing with that situation, they want to go home and recharge. They want to retreat to their space, their aloneness, so to speak, so they can refuel and recharge. An extrovert, on the other hand, um, they could just be with people all day long. And that would be me. I, I am a full out extrovert. For me, I have to learn to be more quiet sometimes, especially when I'm in certain situations. And you would too. But the Myers-Briggs I really enjoyed because, you know, I have five children plus my husband and three of my kids are married. I like using all of these assessments because it helps me be able to identify them and be able to speak in a way that they're going to understand. The most important thing we have to master is that our words, the words that come out of our mouth, that they are filtered, you know, they are going to be filtered through somebody else's ear, right? We, what I say in this podcast, you may hear very differently than what I have to say. So what I have to do as somebody who's speaking and you have to do as you are speaking is you have to think about the words you're saying and how they're going to land in a tender place of somebody else's heart. Everybody has a grid that they, they hear through. Past experiences, past relationships, personality types, insecurity types, anxiety, maybe confidence, sometimes overconfident. And the words that you say can build up or tear down. That is why I like the assessments. Because I know... I'm going to get with one of my kids. I know before I even get with them how I want to speak and how I want to conduct myself. I know what words I want to say, and I know what words I want to be careful of what I say. 
because I don't want to discourage them. I also don't want to be too bubbly. And, and you're thinking, Connie, that just sounds so much like so much work. It's called loving somebody more than you love yourself. I could certainly say, hey, that's just the way I am, right? No, it's not just the way you are. God calls us to love others and love them well. And to love others and love them well means we need to know them. What does that mean we have to do? We have to become a student of other people. We have to pay attention. As my kids were growing up, I had a notebook. I still do. And I would write things down about my children. I would write down when I would saw certain acts of of kindness or behavior, where they would spend their time just for hours. And I'd say, hey, come and eat. I called you 30 minutes ago. Just a minute, mom. I'm trying to, you know, finish this, this art project up or I'm, you know, trying to win this game or whatever it is. I would just write that down. And yes, I used a journal. And the reason I did is because I have five kids and I couldn't remember it all. And if you're like me, your brain kind of gets full of everything else you've got to do. And you might forget that. I didn't want to forget. I wanted to remember. So here's what I did. I just wrote that stuff down. I would write down when my children were with others. Did I notice a shyness Or did I notice they knew how to engage with others conversationally, but when they got back in the car or we got home, they would retreat to their room or they would just kind of be by themselves a little bit. That was because they needed to recharge. The reason this is so important is it gives us the ability to have grace and to not push our children by expecting them to be or do something that they're really just not designed to be or do. Does that make sense? I know y'all are going to email me and that's fine. You can all email me. I love answering questions throughout the podcast. What I will be doing is taking certain segments, certain episodes, and I'm just going to answer your questions. I already, you know, I've already gotten tons of questions about different things and people are already just throwing lots of topics my way. They're, they're sending me through messenger and through email and every other way they can think of topics that they want to hear me unpack. And I can't wait to do that, but I want to conclude with the assessments. So we talked about love languages. We talked about Clifton Strengths, Strengths Explorers, if you have 10 to, 10 to 14-year-old. We talked about the Myers-Briggs. And the last one is the Enneagram. I don't like to talk a whole lot about it, but it's, it's huge right now. So I'm not going to spend a whole long time on it because there's many people who, who question it, and that's completely fine. My children are older. They have all done the Enneagram. And I'm going to go back to what I said at the very beginning. Assessments are tools that give us insights into how others think, feel, and process the world around them. They are not the gospel. They are not identifiers. Oh, I'm a this. I'm a that. I this. I No, that's not what it's about. So I don't want you to miss that. I want you to focus on the fact that it's our job to learn how to love others well. And you can. And those assessments are great tools. Now, some of you have asked me, um, I've, I've spoken on this for, I don't know, decades. Do I tell my children? It depends on the age and maturity level of my child. Why does that matter? Because I don't want my children to self-identify. I'm an extrovert. I'm an introvert. I'm a learner. I'm an achiever. I'm, my love language is this. Therefore, if you, you know, if you tell me that, then I just really don't feel loved. 
I, I don't like getting into all of that because I want to avoid labels. And I'm telling you, I want you to kind of get that mantra in your mind. There are tools, there are assessments that help you get a peek into how other people think, feel, and process the world around them. They are not the gospel. They are not the identifying characteristics of who you are at the core of your being. I want you to think about that because that is extremely important. Do my children all know now? Sure, they're all adults. We talk about this. And you know what I have found? This is the beauty of kind of studying your children at young ages and getting to really know what they think, how they feel, and how they process the world around them. As adults, they now all know how to communicate with each other as adults. They're not little kids. They're not, you know, fighting and squabbling over toys. They have heart issues. They have heart concerns. They have struggles. And they actually know who they can go to to have a conversation and how they can have this hard conversation. That is what helps you build a closer family. That is what helps your kids want to stay connected when they don't have to be. Because this is what I know. When you turn the tassel, when your child heads off to college or moves out, you want them to want to come around when they don't have to. You want them to call each other because they care about each other, not because you picked up the phone and you called them and said, have you talked to your brother lately? No, nobody wants a guilt trip. You want them to do it because they want to, not because they have to. And when they know how to love others because you have studied and understood them and you have taught them how others think, feel, and process the world around them, they automatically start doing that with their, within their family, in their workplace, and within, you know, their, as, their, as they start their own family with their spouses. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. If y'all have questions, you know, we talked about all of those. There's, there's so many more, but those are the top ones. Those are the ones that uh, are often talked about the most. Sometimes they're misapplied, but I want you to apply it rightly as it relates to how God has equipped you to be strong and brave and confident, how God has equipped you with unique gifts, strengths, and talents, because he wants you to fulfill the assignment that he's given you. And we're going to cover all kinds of subjects. So we've got lots of lots of conversations coming up. But this is a, a rather long podcast. I know that. Um, we'll find that sweet spot of what works for you. And if you like this podcast, I know I've said this before, you know, I, I want to hear your feedback. Uh, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to help you build the family you desire to do life with. I'm here to help you achieve the level of success, what that looks like for you and your family, and your career, as you as a wife and a mom, I'm here to help you do that, all seasons of life. So we're going to dive into all those different topics. If you have questions, you can always email me, uh, Connie at ConnieOppers.com. Love to hear from you. And we'll carry this conversation on as we learn more together. So you have a great day. Thanks for joining me. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.